Everyone, we're back again with another episode of Scaring is Sharing. Yeah, it's the place where we share our scares. With each other and you. And you, yes. Hello. As always, it's your host, uh, Jeremy, the ever-loving Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And Brandy Joe, the flaming scream queen. Plan back. Hello, as always. And we're here with a special episode. Yes, number 60. Six yeah. zero. Six zero. Another another ten. That's another crazy. ten down. It is seriously crazy. It feels like it just started and also like we've been doing it forever. Just like a relationship. Yeah, like a like a comfortable relationship. Like a like a warm weighted blanket. Yes. <laughs> Very reassuring. As we have done this whole time, every t- landmark ten episodes, because it is it's like a tiny landmark, but like I'll take any win in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. But we love to have a very special guest, a VSG, and this time it's no different. And it's very exciting because it's the first time we've ever met this person, um, you know, face to face, which all the other folks we had, well, no, I guess Lego horror videos, Lucas, we had never really met Lucas. So I'm taking that back, but we're still very excited. And today we have with us teacher Drew from Phoenix. Yay. Good morning, guys. <laughs> Hello, teacher Drew. And that's your puppy, Loki. Yep. That was Loki that you heard. <laughs> and do you have more than one dog? My roommate has a miniature dachshund named Ruby. Oh, sweet. And Loki and Ruby grew up together. Oh, I love that. So, quick question. Is Loki named for the Norse god or the Marvel Comics character or a little bit of both? A little bit of both because the dog I had prior was named Thor. And okay. I actually had him before the Marvel movies came out. Mm-hmm. I was obviously aware of the comics, yeah. but... I've been into Norse mythology as well. So I always knew when I got a second dog, I'd name him Loki. And by that point, the movies and the TV series on Disney Plus had come out. So people stopped asking me if my dog's name was Loki, like he was Loki a dog. Oh, now they get it. Yeah, Yeah, they get it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a a bit of a nerd for Norse mythology myself, too. My um, on my mom's side, chunk of the family is Swedish from Sweden and Norway and yeah, just knocked the mic over. Sorry, at <laughs> Finland. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm into that stuff. Very cool. So, teacher Drew, I have to say, you are 2021 was a pretty great year, all things considered. Definitely a step above 2020. But one of the greatest things to come out of it was you. And I've known oh. about you before 2021 because of it's only a podcast, which I listen to. And you were you are a regular writer and listener on there as well, right? Have you been yes, listening sir. to Ian and Christian for years? Yeah, for a few years. Like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of going crazy. I thought I was going to have an anxiety attack. And so I was out walking my dog Thor at that time. And I was looking for a podcast to take my mind away from it all, and I stumbled across theirs. I listened to a few others that were um, subpar at best, <laughs> so stumbled upon theirs, and I actually came across yours through theirs. So, 
It's oh, a really? gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I adore those gentlemen so much. And they, I mean, I know of anguish from them, which was a huge find and one that I, I can't tell people. Just this week, I was talking to a guy on a horror site and he was like all cocky. He's like, uh, there's a new movies you can mention to me from like the 80s that I've never heard of or seen. And I was like, what about anguish? And he's like, oh, is it that British movie with that like serial killer that comes to that house? And I was like, nope, that's not it. And he's like, oh, wow, you got me. <laughs> But yeah, they're great. I love their um, their overall vibe, and they're just really terrific. I love their insight. They they're they're just fantastic. So I love their six 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 episodes, which is how I got into them. I like binged all the ones that they had. I love their list episodes so much. So yeah, they're terrific, and and it just felt the first letter we got from you. I was just like, oh my god, it's Teacher Drew. <laughs> I uh, I was wondering too how you found us because you were like the first uh, real. Listener, we connected to that we're like, oh wow, we have like reach. We're going, you know, it's not just people we already personally know that are like writing into us, or like <laughs> friends of friends we actually know in real life that are uh, getting into it. So that was that was you were a big uh, boost to our confidence and our, uh, you know, desire to keep doing this thing. For I'm glad sure. to be a service, and I appreciate what you guys do. So tell everybody out there listening a little bit about who you are and what you do in life. Outside, we know you love horror movies, so what outside of that? <laughs> well, I grew up in Washington. I'm now living in Arizona, and I teach high school English, and I teach a film studies class, which is one of the most popular in the school. We literally watch um, current movies and discuss them. I teach the kids how to support their opinions, that every opinion is fine as long as you can back it up. There's not a right answer to if a movie is good or not, because we bring our personal experience to the film viewing and we connect with different movies. Sometimes we care about a character. Sometimes we feel for something going on and sometimes it's just the purpose of the movie to connect. Um, I also love dogs as we were just chatting. I love to travel. I like to read, but I don't get much time in 2021 to do that. So um, just kind of a people person and just believe in living life to the fullest. You def that makes sense. That that tracks with what I know of you based on your emails and just your you just have a, a real zeal for life. Is that a word? Zeal? Yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> I would say you have a zeal for life. And you work at a, a high school, is that right? Yes, sir. And a Christian school. Yes, sir. So how does that relate to your film studies class? Are there certain movies that are like off limits? Do you get told like, please don't do things with profanity or nudity? Like, how does that factor into what you watch? Well, I'm not really told that, but the way I view things, I think in 2021, a lot of times adults are hypocritical to uh, the younger generation. So for instance, if I show them a movie that has profanity in it, but then the next day a kid says profanity in my class and he gets a detention. I think that sends mixed messages and it's kind of hypocritical. So I kind of view it through that lens because, mm -hmm. you know, schools do that. Sometimes they read like catcher in the rye, which has all sorts of language in it. But if a kid said those words outside of class, they would get a detention. So I, I try to steer clear of that. And there are plenty of great movies out there of, I love the movies that we watch, and sometimes the students do too. Sometimes they don't get Wes Anderson if we watch a Wes Anderson movie, for instance. 
but I still show it and I ask them to trust me. They know me, trust me, figure out why am I showing this and at least respect the movie, even if they don't like it still. And that's okay. Do you ever show movies you don't like to have good discussion about them? I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I don't show a movie I don't like because I have a very limited amount of time. It's only a semester course. So limited amount of time and it's hard to narrow it down. Uh, the beauty is that every semester I have a different group and to make it fresh for me, I can add some different films and um, put some others on the shelf for a minute. Cool. But I try to stay with fairly contemporary stuff, um, maybe like within the last five or six years. It's not a film history class. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, since I um, I was a film major in college, so uh, it sounds very much like the film uh, theory and film criticism courses I had to take, what you're uh, describing, which was great because so many people, even at the college level, kids wanted there's a right answer and a wrong answer. This movie is either good or bad. And, yeah. it was, you know, but I love discourse and I love discussion. So for me, I, like I flourished in those classes where I would make statements like, is this movie really that good? And then get all, yeah. you know, where it's like the Godfather or something. And I'm like, I want to challenge what everybody's talking about though. Like, is it as great or is it saying what you think it is and get everybody. And usually the professors appreciated that though. Cause yeah. I, would, I would get that discourse going. Well, and that's what I appreciate about you guys. You're not pretentious. Some podcasts I've tried to listen to, I might get like 15 minutes in and you can tell they have a very solid opinion and their opinion's right. And it's almost like you're an idiot or you're unschooled, uneducated if you don't agree with them. Yeah. And I actually based my course on a curriculum and read some amazing essays on just that. It's There's no right or wrong answer to a film's good. It's what you bring to it and you might find value in it. And there are oftentimes everybody loves a movie and I hate it. And there's sometimes I love it. Everybody else on the planet thinks, how could you like that? And especially being an English teacher, a lot of times people think, well, you should be all highbrow and you should go for the art house, sophisticated movies, which I like, mm -hmm. but they're shocked when I like, like Nacho Libre or something oh. like that. <laughs> I love so, Nacho Libre. I, it's one of my favorite movies. I think it's hysterical and they expect me to almost to be a film snob because I'm an English teacher, you know? So yeah. <laughs> yep. that's what I, and I think I mentioned this just like an episode or two ago about Jeremy that Jeremy studied film, but then gives me movies like Santa's sleigh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a, I have a taste for trash. What can I say? <laughs> I love that. Well, one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's it. A hundred percent. So speaking of film, why don't you tell us like, what is your personal horror aesthetic? Like, what do you love in a horror movie? Well, the reason I was telling one of my friends about this um, last night, I usually have people guess what my favorite genre is. Because again, they have, you know, we have preconceived ideas of each other. And mm -hmm. so he was guessing all over the map. And finally I said, well, most people are shocked and surprised and it is horror. And the reason I like horror is I like that adrenaline rush, like roller coasters. I truly feel alive on a roller coaster. I might be holding my breath. I might be screaming. I might be anything, but I like a horror movie like that that gets your heart pounding. I like something that warms its way into my mind. And then late at night when I'm all alone and it's dark and my closet doors open and I hear a noise, I almost picture visuals from the movie like 
the long, dark haired, scary, creepy girl climbing out of the TV, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, something like that. It's like, is there somebody really standing in the corner over there and that type of thing? And I'm not often scared by scary movies, but I keep searching for that one that's just going to scare the tar out of me. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. What horror movie do you think you've seen more than any other horror movie? What's the one you've watched the most number of times? I guess this would be your favorite, maybe, but, but not necessarily. I guess you can watch a movie over and over and it not be your favorite, but, you know, whatever. Well, there are a whole bunch I like, and as far as favorites, I never have just one favorite. My kids always ask me, what's your favorite this? And I always list like four things or five things. Mm -hmm. But um, probably the movie I've watched the most is The Exorcist, the original. Oh, yeah. It was the first one I, I legally um, saw in a theater because I kind of conned my dad into taking me. Um, <laughs> almost like emotional blackmail type thing, which was a little shocking because it was a little much uh, for a kid because I was very young. But um, one of my odd Christmas traditions is... Instead of putting on Christmas music and wrapping presents, I put on The Exorcist and watch presents. I have no idea where that started or how it started, <laughs> but it's a tradition. And even though it's old school, I think it's held up. And there are parts of that that just give me, give me the creeps, that crab walk down the stairs and all that type of thing. So I would think I'd seen that one the most. It's an amazingly well-constructed movie. It too. is. Like, just very fantastic. much. The acting is so good. So good. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask about if you'd had your annual traditional watching of The Exorcist while wrapping presents. But then the other story you told about The Exorcist to us that was so good was the drive-in story where the lightning oh, yeah. hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was insane. That was insane. Yeah, so freaky. <laughs> now, I'm taking a, a leap of faith here, which is... Uh interesting choice of words. Since you work in a Christian school, I imagine you are a man of faith yourself. And sure. going off of that, do movies that deal with demonic possession and, and things like that, that sort of fight between the devil and, and God, like, do those impact you stronger because of being um, a somewhat religious man yourself, do you find? Well, it's hard to compare to other people if it impacts me more than it impacts others but i will say i probably have a little bit of a different viewpoint because people who don't believe in heaven or hell or don't believe in god or the devil obviously think those movies are pure fiction and i think part of what makes certain scary movies a little scarier is if you think that could actually happen and so people of faith usually believe in in both god and the devil and the Bible talks about possession as well. So I think that can't help but bring a different perspective mm -hmm. that, okay, this could actually happen. So um, you know what I'm saying? Some movies are so far-fetched, just like, okay, good movie, but yeah. that's never going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's scary without being super scary. I can uh, I can feel that because I grew up a, a good Catholic boy. So anything with demonic satan demonic possession stuff like it carries a certain weight to it so those are probably the genre where i'm like if i'm actually going to get scared it's going to be like a demon or possession movie as part of the theme uh and especially ones yeah. that are really well done like the exorcist which is that underlying just dread 
and creepiness throughout the whole thing. Yep. And then there's something about losing total control mm, uh, yes. for the individual who's possessed. And there can be all sorts of metaphorical types of possession as well. People consumed by something, but just that whole losing control over you, over your life is uh, a little bit horrifying as well. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about the upcoming trilogy sequels? I will go into them with an open mind. <laughs> but a bit skeptical, I, I it seems. Yeah. Right now, I'm mostly excited about the new Scream movie coming out mm. because just because they're so meta, I was pulled into that first one and I have seen everyone um, religiously and watched them a number of times. And I often quote some things from the first one about film and especially the rules of film and stuff like that. And uh, so I'm really excited to see that probably more so. Rank them. Rank the four. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, the first one, I think the OG is oftentimes the best. And I do like the first one best. I think the second one was a little weaker. So I'd probably go from one to three to four and then two last. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, my opinion is not often mainstream. <laughs> now, what is it about three that you like? I just like, I like, I like the concept. I like kind of the change of pace. I like the change of uh, venue for a minute. Um, I, I just like the direction it went with. It is really different than all the rest of them, just in regards to doing something with like a, with the making of a movie and being in Hollywood and that exactly. whole different feel is, is quite different. A few of the actors of Jenny McCarthy, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can fill in the blanks. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly can. So speaking of demonic possession, have you ever had a ghostly or paranormal encounter? Well, probably I think I had a ghostly encounter when I was younger. Um, I've written in and said that I have night terrors. So sometimes the night terrors bleed over into the waking world as well. And that's extra scary. But after my grandfather died when I was young, I would feel his presence in my room. And I swear I woke up a couple of times and saw him like standing right next to my bed. To take it a step further and uh, don't judge, please, but... Uh, when we were young, supposedly there was this urban legend that there was a coven of devil worshipers near us. And so I was in high school and a number of us jumped into a car on a Friday night very late and thought we'd go out and explore and try to find these devil worshipers. So we're out in the middle of nowhere on this big prairie and we kind of get lost. And all of a sudden we see these torches off in the distance. Um, forming a circle. So we drove up closer. And then all of a sudden, this torches started to move towards us. And we got the heck out of there <laughs> screaming and going crazy like high schoolers. And um, who knows what it was, but maybe it was. But it could it was have the been. Sometimes uh, urban legend have some basis in reality, no matter how off track it's gotten. <laughs> after yeah. the the kernel of truth so it's like ride with the devil is that what that movie's called from the 70s yeah with yeah the, the yeah. biker gang that's a good movie i mean it's not yeah. great but it's it's fun so what's the other one is the devil's reign with uh ernest borgnine as the the satanic cult leader and william shatner as the hero yeah <laughs> i don't know that 
It's cheesy, but it's fun. Okay. What's it? Okay, here we go. And you kind of answered it with Scream. What's a horror movie uh, that you love that everyone hates or vice versa? A horror movie everyone loves that you hate. And I remembered one, teacher, Drew. I remembered one that you wrote in about because you're not crazy about Midsummer, right? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I don't get it. I I walked out of that theater and this uh, little old lady sitting next to me was out in the lobby and she kind of summed it up. She was like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> and I, that movie didn't connect with me at all, but partially I think it's because daylight horror just oh, doesn't right. really do it for me because I think, you know, light dispels darkness. And I can think of a few movies that things that happen during the day are kind of creepy and get under your skin, but it's kind of the same reason, you know, um, I don't like other other daytime horror movies per se because it just didn't do much for me. Um, I didn't like the characters too much. I thought the even though I liked the actress, uh, the female lead, I I didn't like her character at all. I thought she was a whiny little sniveling brat. And um, so again, in my film studies class, we talk about does it make you feel? Does it make you care? And does it achieve its purpose? And for me, it didn't do any of those things. But I. I'm aware that I'm in the minority because everybody seems to like that. It's on everybody's top 10. A lot of people, it's number one. And I thought it was wretched. (laughs) 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 But uh, the other side of that, and this is a very unpopular opinion, and I'm sure you guys are going to jump on this one, is the movie that I like a lot that everybody else hates is M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just got finished listening to your last episode this morning. I listen in the morning when I'm out running or walking the dogs. And uh, I know not many people are a fan of that (laughs) movie, but somehow it connects with me. Maybe it's just the premise that we already know that nature can seem like it's out to get us. Um, Earthquakes, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, etc. But to give nature almost a cognitive element that they're conscious of what they're doing to us. And then the images of people just jumping off buildings out of nowhere, they kind of freeze and they jump in front of a car, jump off a building, you know, beat their head against the window, whatever. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> so I had a uh, I had a buddy that was similar to your opinion. Like he loved the happening, and he was like, they all, "We were all like, what are you talking about?" But listening to him talk about it too, I could almost go with him. Like he could explain, yeah, uh, why it was effective for him. And I'm like, "Oh man, I want to be there. I want to go <laughs> on that journey with you." But it just didn't connect. It failed to connect with me in the same way. Yeah. So now, what did you think of the visit? Since we just talked about it, I appreciated it for what it was, M. Night Shyamalan is hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting with him, some of the movies that people tend to like, I don't. Like The Village, I would have liked to be in the meetings where they're talking about where they're heading. And I would have rather not had them reveal the twist so early in the movie. Because once they revealed that twist, it was over for me. Mm-hmm. There was, I had no interest. And that's what killed that movie for me. I did revisit lately Signs, which you guys were just talking about. And I remembered when I saw it at the theater, I didn't like it at all. And this time 
I appreciated it more and understood why people like it. It's a little stronger movie than I give it credit for, I think, initially. So sometimes with our maturity and if we're at a different point in life, we appreciate a movie a little differently than we did prior. Mm -hmm. I've wanted to revisit Signs as well because I don't think I've seen it since around the time it was originally out. So yeah, yeah, I would like to see how I feel. And I I was lukewarm about it. Like I thought it was a movie where I'm like, the first half was really good. And then it lost me towards the final act. But um, I would like to revisit that and see if I feel different this time. Little baby Abigail Breslin. Just so tiny. Yep. It. <laughs> yep. Can you think of any others that are you love it, everyone hates it, or vice versa? I think those are the two major ones with horror. There, there's some in other genres, of course. Um, mm-hmm. There's a. I'll just touch on one because of how savage people can be. Uh, the original Lego Movie. When I watched that, it wasn't funny to me. I didn't laugh at all. I smiled once, and I kept checking the time. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I almost asked for my money back. And people accused me of having no childhood, no heart, <laughs> no sense of humor. I mean, they went they went full on savage with me. And I'm like, uh, dude, I just didn't connect with the movie. So mm-hmm. um, I don't like to feel manipulated. And I felt especially with that movie, they were trying to manipulate my feelings. Mm-hmm. Which most movies are. But that one I thought was heavy handed. Like, beat you over the head with it. Yeah. I've yet to see it. I love the Tegan and Sarah song. Everything is awesome, but I've never seen the movie. Yeah. I do too. And I always say everything is awesome. Oh, except for the movie. <laughs> except for the movie. <laughs> so one other question in regards to sure. this particular one, just since we recently talked about it and we also have a very differing opinion, Jeremy and myself, what do you think of the nightmare before Christmas? Ooh, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have never connected with that movie either. But again, I watched it when it first came out. A lot of times, this is not profound or anything, but I think movies are meant to be a cinematic experience. They're meant to be seen on the big screen with a crowd. And so a lot of times I'll see the movie at the theater and then I may or may not revisit it. And I do want to give that one a chance because, again, it might have been the point I was at in my life that I just didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, but at right now, today, 2021, I, I just don't connect with it. I don't really appreciate it. Okay. And I do like some Tim Burton stuff for sure, but mm-hmm. that one just misses me. So. All right. And my big disclaimer there too, is like, I was literally a small child when that movie came out. And I feel like there was, there's something to that if you saw it as like the little kid, like that was their target was to hit these weird <laughs> children. Yeah. And that nostalgia feature definitely plays a part because I'm sure there's some movies I like that I connect with my childhood that other yeah. people are like, uh, that's not that good. And yeah, it still taints my, my childhood. Yeah, yeah. It still taints my view forever. I can't disconnect from the nostalgia of it. So yeah, certainly. You said taint. <laughs> yes. So are you on Christmas break yet? Has that happened? We are. Yesterday was our last day of school to get all our grades in. Last day of finals was the day prior. So we now have two glorious weeks off. Nice. Me too. Off, I say, because uh, most teachers will be working on lesson plans for next semester. And yeah, teaching requires a lot. You have to have a passion for it. It's not about the paycheck. It's about making a difference Mm -hmm. and um, connecting with kids and helping form the future leaders of tomorrow, which 
sounds like a commercial, some feel good commercial, but it's it's, the truth. I really believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of a two parter. So one, do you have some movies that you have on like a list that you're like, I gotta watch these over the break? And two, what are some of your favorite movies you've seen that came out this year? Horror movies related, of course. Okay. Wow. That there's nothing really over break that I know of that I have to see. That's one of the reasons why I appreciate podcasts like yours is because sometimes I'll be made aware of something that I didn't even know was out there. And so I'll I'll have some extra time to explore those. Did you see Candyman yet? I did. And uh, again, probably an unpopular opinion. I thought it was unnecessary and I like the OG better. Oh, right. I think so, I do. Remember. There was another one. Halloween Kills. Had you not seen Halloween Kills? I feel I have not seen that yet. So okay. that will probably be, and I'm sure I'll like it just because it's a, a Halloween movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. Again, that's kind of my connection in my childhood. So I'll kind of connect with that. Yeah, and opinions about that movie are wildly across the board, I'm seeing. So it's like True. I have all heard over the place. Predominantly, a lot of people don't care for it too much. Um, a number of my friends have said, don't even bother, but I I will watch it. It's sometimes life gets a little crazy. And if I can't see it in the theater, it's kind of put on hold for a minute. As far as favorite movie of the past year, um, I don't know that yet. I've, I'm going to go through and look on my letterbox and see what I've watched and kind of go from there and put a list together and uh, send it into It's Only a Podcast. <laughs> They do. They love that. They love getting their list. What um? What is your letterboxed handle? Oh, mercy. I will have to look it up because I don't even know. It's probably like AZ Streeter or something. Your letterboxed handle is Loki13, L-O-K-I-1-3. Oh. Okay. So That's if you want to follow Teacher Drew, get out there and do it. You even post little reviews with your things, which is very cool. I don't always. I don't on ours because I usually like to track it and I don't want Jeremy to know what I thought of it because I know he'll go on box sometimes. I'm so. on there all the time, actually. <laughs> so that's like, I'm like, this is the social media for me. Like, how did I miss out on Letterboxd yeah. for so long? Because I'm like, I that don't was care the best about anything thing ever. but movie, <laughs> people's movie opinions. That's what I want to yeah. see. So, And I do have Shudder. I, I watch a lot on Shudder. Thank God I got turned on to Shudder, too. Because yeah, it's so <laughs> It's like, good. where it's have great. you been all my life? <laughs> yeah. I know some people, like, badmouth it in some of the groups I'm a part of on, like, Facebook. And I'm like, you're just not looking in the right spots. Or you're not yeah. open-minded en- enough. Because there's they, they really have – they're so great about doing things from different cultures and yep. different, t- like, genres. Eras, and yeah. Eras. It's just very open. And I think they do a good – like, every week there's new stuff. It's not like they yep. – every month they put out a couple new titles. No, and it's, it's not constant. Sometimes you have to search through because there isn't a – that's the one downfall of it or the thing that I think isn't great is there – I, at least if there is, I don't know quite how to get to it, to go somewhere where you just say, I want to see every single movie you have on here. They're like listed in like playlists almost, like slashers and this and that, but there's not like a, I want to see every single movie you have available. Like, I think you have to go to like a yeah. website to do that. A lot of times I find out something's on there, not because I look on Shutter, but because I'll Google, where do I watch this? And it says it's on Shutter, And I'm like, oh. I didn't see it on there. So then I go to Shutter and search it on there and then I find it. But like you said, I do appreciate, I've been 
really into foreign horror movies lately. Um, I do not have a problem with reading subtitles, which some of my friends say I don't go to the movie to read. And um, I'm like, you're missing out on a lot of quality. And that's kind of egocentric thinking that America has all the best movies because we have some good ones, but other countries have amazing, amazing movies as well. And so I, I do appreciate that, like you said. Mm-hmm. especially like this uh, South Korean horror that has been coming out. I, oh, it's so fantastic. Yep. On, it's only a podcast and I don't remember the name of it, but they, and this was maybe like within the last year, but a while ago, they, they reviewed like a trilogy of Asian. It's like a, an anthology. And I think it's really long. Have you seen that? But I can't remember what the name of it is. That, I, it doesn't ring any bells. It it kind of vaguely sounds familiar. Randy Joe, was it was it the movie Kwai Don? I that does sound familiar. Yes, is that like uh, a an older a, like? It's older. It's a Japanese movie. It's like three hours long or more. I yep, think. And, I think and it's, that's it. It's a collection of they took a bunch of like well known Japanese folk stories and recreated them. And it's like a lot. It's it's a movie that I feel like was a little more obscure, at least in the West. Uh, as they say, for a long time. And now it's become uh, like a cult, you know, a low, low key cult uh, hit <laughs> now as people have discovered it. Not low key, but low. Not low key, but in, low key. In the English speaking world, I'll say, because in Japan, it's, you know, been a big deal for a long time. It's like one of their all time great uh, horror flicks, but it's in the, it's in the Criterion collection. So, you know, it gets that stamp of like uh, oh. highbrow snobbery there. So. So, Teacher Drew, one last question. Yes. Did you have any more questions, Jeremy? Uh, I had uh, the uh, uh, what's a horror movie that's coming up you're excited for, but you answered that, the new Scream. So, oh, yep. um, fuck yeah. I'm waiting for it. I want the Hellraiser stuff that's coming out to be good. I love the original. I love the second Hellraiser. This Hellraiser 2 is a really good movie that people forget that that is quality as well. Yeah. Uh, and then it's after that point that they start to get crazy and go downhill and have been for a long time. Like it's a series that's just been a downward trajectory since the beginning. Like there's no, you know, I don't know. They need a good one. Give me some good Hellraiser content. <laughs> Did you watch the um, Pinhead Behind the Monsters yet? No. It's is it good. awesome? It, it's good. It just, it also made me feel like He's one of the main horror villains that's like, you know, one of the modern ones that I feel like really it was only the first two Hellraisers that were in the theater at all, right? One, two, no, one, two, three, and four were all in theaters. Three and four were? Yes. Oh, weird. Okay. But uh, four made like absolutely no money when it was out in theaters. So that's why from that point on, it was all straight to video forevermore. So yeah, Behind the Monsters, Shudder, watch them all. They're so fascinating and so good. I agree with that. I assume they talked to Doug Bradley in the oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah. He is so, he's like amazing. He's one of my favorites. I feel like people don't sing his praises as much as like Robert England and Nick Castle and uh, Kane Hodder and all the other famous. You know. Oh, no. That character would be nothing without him. Yeah. For sure. he, he's incredible. Yeah. And there's a great like credit scene where they're interviewing him and there's like geese fighting in the background. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> so teacher drew, you watched uh, the behind the monsters. Yes, sir. So good. Which one was your favorite or which one did you find the most fascinating? Well, one of my favorite movies ever, I think I might've written in about this cause I love a nightmare on Elm street. I remember the first time I saw it and uh, 
because of my night terrors, I really connect with something being in there that you can't fight because you're in your dreams. And um, Loki, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just, I really appreciated that. But I did watch them all and I connected with them all because I, obviously all those movies are iconic. So I, yeah, I probably like the Freddy one a little more than the others, but I did like them all. I appreciated them. Yeah, very, very good series. I, I'm excited. I hope they do a season two. I don't know exactly who they would do, but there's some other there's some others that they there's probably cover. some more they could dig up. Yeah. They could do Ghostface for sure. Yeah, for oh, sure. sure. There's definitely like at least probably another handful. I just that's the only one that comes to mind right away. Maybe even Victor Crowley from oh, uh, the Hatchet series. Yeah, and they don't do Leatherface. They oh, didn't yeah. do Leatherface. Yeah, that'd so, be yeah, a good so one. That's a big they, one. They got a season two in there, hundred yeah. percent. So I, I have one last question, and that's if you were forced to buy one shirt and one shirt said, I'm a Jeremy, and one shirt said, I'm a Brandy Joe, <laughs> <laughs> which would you wear? I would probably get a hybrid one that says, I'm Jeremy Joe. <laughs> yeah. Great answer, teacher. Fantastic I appreciate answer. you both for different reasons. And like I've said before, I love how the first time I listened to your podcast, what I appreciated, I felt like I was sitting in a bar having a drink. I tend toward like sparkling water with a lime in it. So um, you guys can relate. Yeah. And uh, just chatting about movies. I, I did. I felt like I was sitting down with old friends and saying, hey, what did you think of this movie? And hey, have you experienced this movie? And that's why I connected with your podcast from Within the first five minutes, I thought, oh, this is a keeper. Well, that's amazing. Yay, well, we're so, so glad much. to have you along for the ride and so excited to have you today. Yes. So as our guest, you get to assign the movies we watch this week. So what I know you have some options, I think, or have you narrowed it down? Do you know definitively what we're doing? Well, I have a preference, but I'm kind of diplomatic and I like I like to compromise something that they don't know about in 2021. <laughs> um, compromise means you you meet in the middle, not compromise means do what I want you to do. <laughs> so <laughs> politics aside, but uh, <laughs> I have three different options and we can kind of talk them through and, and land on one of them. But I've always been fascinated by the idea and it might be done on some podcasts that I just haven't come across, but people often when they watch a newer version of a movie, compare it just uh, momentarily to the original. And so what I thought would be interesting is to watch an original and the new one back to back. Mm. And since I've been into Asian horror even more so, but I've always been into Asian horror, I thought that would be an interesting way to start because again, not to be political, but Americans always think that they can do it better than anybody else. And mm -hmm. so we Americanize the movie and sometimes I think it might work and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So are you guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> Give it to us. So part of it is if I appreciated the movie and part of it is the accessibility because there are a few that and i'm not going to recall them off the top of my head but there are a few that i was excited about but i was not finding them anywhere so i thought well let's go with something that does have some accessibility so the first one is um shutter and the japanese version came out in 2004 american version 2008. Mm. the second one and 
I probably know that this one's going to be kicked to the curb because you guys have mentioned this just recently. <laughs> but um, one missed call. The original was 2003, and uh, that was the Japanese version, and then the American version, 2008. And then the last one is the classic, the granddaddy of them all, and that is The Ring, 1998 for the Japanese version, 2002 for Naomi Watts, who I love as a horror movie actress. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the three. I'm open to any of the three, and I'd like to hear you guys' opinion. Yeah, no, I haven't seen Shudder or One Miss Call, the original or the remakes. I've not heard great things about the remakes. I especially heard One Miss Call, the remake was particularly bad, which could be very fun. Yeah. So I would say either of those for myself, just since I've not seen either one of them, which is super fun. Yeah, I, I've i never seen, I've heard of Shudder, like, and I knew it was, there was the American one and it's a remake of an Asian film. Never seen either. Um, one missed call. I, I've seen the remake or the remake like a long time ago, uh, and wasn't impressed if I remember. And then, um, the ring, like I haven't seen the, the American, the ring in a long time. Uh, and I don't think I've ever seen the original Ringu, the Japanese version. I don't Ringu, think I've ever, yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. So, uh, I'm up for any of them really. I mean, I'm up for any of them also. I would do Ringu and the ring. But I like the idea of seeing ones that I haven't seen before. Yeah, if I had so, to pick, I think I would go with the first one, Shudder. That sounds yeah, that's interesting because sort of I know I'm very little to. about either one. So, uh huh. How do you feel? Is that cool, Teacher Drew? If we do Shudder, yeah. There's there are things I appreciate about all three. Again, kind of like in my film studies class, if I don't have an appreciation for it, it's hard for me to show it. A lot of times the kids do kind of track with me. So I do understand showing a movie that you don't like and seeing if anybody gets what the appeal is, you know, Mm. but um, the worst thing possible is if you're trying to have a debate per se in a class and everybody's on one side. So there goes the whole period and you're done with the debate because nobody is disagreeing. disagreeing. (laughs) (laughs) The teacher's nightmare because yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so i think shutter let's do yeah shutter. let's do it yeah shutter and the, the only original, thing i know about it is i think it's like a haunted camera yeah it's something to do with ghosts and like paranormal investigation like or something trying to but, videotape yeah, ghosts I, I think i feel like there's like an imprint on the camera from something bad that happened probably like there was a murder and then someone gets a hold of the camera i bet there's gonna be some twist sure like and pictures. as always yeah hilarity ensues <laughs> i bet there's gonna be a long-haired female appearing ghost <laughs> but maybe not maybe there, maybe yeah, not maybe maybe, there won't be. maybe something I feel like entirely there's a, different a male protagonist i don't know why i feel that i don't know if that's from like the trailer from the remake but i feel like it's a male protagonist why not yeah, but I I'm have gonna... no freaking clue. I cannot remember like trailers or anything about these. So this is going to be fun. I feel like the remake, like prior to it coming out, I felt there was like some good buzz for it. Like people were saying it was good. And then I just never heard anything when it came out. But I remember like when One Miss Call came out, people being like, this is not good, the remake. But I don't remember hearing that about Shudder. Because Mirrors, I get it kind of mixed with Mirrors in my head, which is also a remake, correct? Yeah. And, I think uh, so. An Asian film. And that that remake yep. and has that's Kiefer one that Sutherland. I was looking for, and it was really hard to find okay. access to both versions. So okay, 
Well, awesome. Cool. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet. Well, before we move on, yes. I want to ask you guys a question. Oh, yeah. I kind of referenced this turned. earlier. If you can flash back to the first time you saw the ring, the American version, um, tell me what your response was when Shamara climbed out of the TV. <laughs> It's one of those rare experiences where I had not even seen a trailer for it. This is, I was in Austin doing one of Shakespeare's classic plays, 10 Naked Men. And <laughs> I went on a date with some guy that I'd met at the bar and we went to see it. I think I'd seen like a trailer of her like screaming. I, and I mean, that whole movie just scared the shit out of me. Like, I was so surprised when I learned it was PG-13. But when she crawled out of the TV, it was just like, what the fuck? Like, that was, it shocked me. It shook me. And that movie, like, clung to me afterwards. It was so haunting. And, like, the ending is so good. Just, like, such, like, a powerful ending. That's It's a downer, but it's also like, oh everything's okay with these two for now. <laughs> but I, I liked that that was how it ended. And yeah, it, it scared the shit out of me. So when they the ring came out, I was in high school. I did not see it in theaters. I feel like it was a year or two, you know, maybe a couple years after the original release, like at home with friends or something like that. But that was the point where I was making my transition into edgier stuff of, you know, I was discovering like death metal and uh, really like extreme punk rock and stuff. So then that was translating to the movies that, you know, I'd found the original Texas Chainsaw and Evil Dead and was getting into harder horror like that. So I just thought the ring was fucking cool. <laughs> that was it. Like when she came out of the TV, I'm like, this is the coolest shit ever. Like, that's awesome. And I loved how much it scared people. So yeah, I connected to that where I'm like, yeah, that is, that is, it, it looks like thinking about the movie now, I'm like, it looks like a Nine Inch Nails music video or something like that. So I was like all about that. Like that was my aesthetic at that time. So I was like, this is the coolest thing. Are you guys aware, is it on your radar of, there's a movie on Shudder where they take, uh, it's a Japanese movie and they take the, the little girl, it's not Shamara in the Japanese version. It's like Sadako or something. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and she battles the mom <laughs> from the grudge, yes. the ghost with the, so these two long black haired ghosts are going at each other. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's a little I, crazy. I've heard, I've heard good. about it. I heard about it when it came out and I've wanted to see it. Yeah. I want to see it. It's too. interesting. Okay. It's like their version of Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Truly. A little bit. But better. Absolutely. It's got to yeah. be better. One would hope. <laughs> how did it, did it shock you or how did you react that first time? And did you see the American one first of the ring? There's not an American version of it. It's just the Japanese no, of version. The, the ring, oh, of the ring. Of, of oh, the, the ring, the ring, yeah. the ring. Um, I did see the American version first. And then I went back and watched the Japanese version. And I did appreciate the technology, like the scene we just mentioned, the the scene where she's climbing out of the television um, looks like a high school stage play almost. It's just the tech is has just it's not there yet. And so I think had I seen the first one, I wouldn't have reacted the same way we just talked about, because I literally when I saw it in the theater, it was like, oh, heck no. 
She did not <laughs> just climb out of that TV. And that, that image stayed with me forever. The first one doesn't have that impact on that scene because it, it doesn't look organic. It doesn't look like it's really happening. You know, yeah. it looks staged. I get that. Let's go get our shutter on. Not to be confused with shutter. Shutter with T's. <laughs> and we'll be back. Yes. Sit. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we are back. Yeah, we are, buddy. Back with our special guest, Teacher Drew, still From with us. From Phoenix. Still with you. What is the weather like there, Teacher Drew? Is it warm? It's actually, we're having a kind of a cold streak. It's only 70 degrees right oh, now. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like 25 right now here. And I just came back from walking the dog, and I was like, I'm freezing. I'm not ready for this. It was like sunshine, though, earlier in blue skies, but there was snow. It was so bizarre. It yes. Was... Yeah, we had like a f- snow flurry this morning. Yeah, it was very odd. I'm very happy for you, Teacher Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in Florida in a few days. so yeah, Maybe I'll... one of these days I'll get the itch and be like, I want to live somewhere where it's warm all the time, and then I'll know <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> well, let's dive into our duo of yes. shut, Shutter. Shutter. Shutter 2004 and Shutter 2008, Yep, I yep. believe. All right, so we're starting off with the original uh, from Thailand. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, the most terrifying images are the ones that are real. Ooh. And the description is, a young photographer, Tun, which I hope I'm getting that right or approximating it right, Uh, And his girlfriend, Jane, discover mysterious shadows in their photographs after fleeing the scene of an accident. As they investigate the phenomenon, they find other photographs contain similar supernatural images that Tun's best friends are being haunted as well. And Jane discovers that her boyfriend has not told her everything. It soon becomes clear that you cannot escape your past. It's true. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like there's just, I mean, this whole thing has just got to be filled with spoilers, like both parts, because in order to talk about the second part in particular, we have to just talk spoilers, I feel. So I, I, just, I think if you want to watch these movies, go watch them and then come back. Granted, I I had to download illegally Shudder to find it. <laughs> I couldn't find it anywhere, which was fine because I found it somewhere. But um, if you want to watch it. If you have a video store near you still, <laughs> that might be your best option. <laughs> or buy it from Amazon. Okay. So that being said, I, I feel like I, I just want to be able to talk spoilers. Yeah. I thought that this movie was fun. I didn't know until today that it was a Thai movie. I guess I just automatically assumed it was Japanese for some reason. I'm not as up on my, my culture. So that was kind of fun to find that out. And... I thought it was a fairly decent little flick. Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever seen a Thai movie before. I think this might be the first one. I bet you there's probably something in there in the deep catalog of movies I've seen over the years, but I'm not overly familiar with their film industry or anything about the film culture over there. So this was was pretty cool. Uh, My thought, okay, again, spoilers, guys, but once it got to the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, it's Promising Young Woman with Ghosts. (laughs) 
<laughs> I did not think that, but you're totally right. Have you seen yeah. Promising Young Woman, Teacher Drew? Yes, I have. What yep. What did you think overall? I thought it was an interesting take. I like I like things that are original and um, you know not just rehashing the same old thing. So I appreciated it. It's depressing. So, Teacher Drew, you've seen Shutter. The uh, you've seen both of these movies before, correct? Yes, sir. How long has it been since you've seen the 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 original? The original it was a few years, and then I watched it maybe about a month ago, and then I watched it again um, this morning. This last time I watched them, I did it backwards. I watched the um, uh, remake first, and then I watched the new one or the uh, original one. I consider doing it that way, but I thought to myself, I'm sure the original is going to be better. So I should probably start with the better one first so that any things that could be a little bit exciting to learn, I learn from the better one than to do it the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad mm -hmm. I did it that way. And so over the time of the three times you've seen it, has your opinion of it stayed fairly much the same, Teacher Drew? And do you, are you fond of it? I am fond of it. I have some definite opinions about strengths and weaknesses for both of them. But um, as we talk about original and remake, fun fact, this movie has been remade like four different times. I saw in four that. four different languages. Yeah. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because, I mean, after watching it and... Also, truth be told, I woke up in the middle of the night, I edited the first part of our podcast, and then I still couldn't go to bed. So I watched the remake of One Missed Call, and I gotta say, I'm so glad we didn't pick that, because it is so <laughs> awful. I cannot even tell you how bad that remake is. It's interesting, the original version of it is like 20 minutes longer, and here, the original and the remake are both about the same amount of time. They're both like an hour 25, which you... It kind of almost feels not quite shot for shot, but it's very much like they, they do a lot of the same things, which I know we'll get to later. It is very close. Yeah, it definitely is. It's also after some time has passed from a lot of these early 2000 J horror films, there's a very similar pattern to them all. There's, you know, you get to know these things, there's some sort of curse or some sort of ghostly occurrence, and then there's always uh, sort of like, oh, we figured it out, and then it's like, nope, you haven't, you were wrong, and here's the ultimate twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it borrows from The Ring. It reminded me of The Ring in a number of spots, but you're right, it is very formulaic. Yeah, and I like how this this is a Thai movie, but then when they did the remake, the quote-unquote American remake, they made it a J-horror movie? Like, they decided to transplant it? Like, we're putting it in Japan. It's already close enough to, like, I guess, that style of horror. So we're gonna make it a Japanese horror movie. Yeah, for sure. I actually like the ultimate twist of, again, although we haven't, we've said it numerous times, but spoilers, that she's like hanging out on his shoulders. Like, I love that. And I love that the setup of getting there, I think that that's very clever. It doesn't make it so obvious that that's what's going on. Like when he steps on the scale, you don't know what's really happening. Mm -hmm. I like that we don't really necessarily see that. And all of that just, I think that the, the setup to that being 
the ultimate ultimate twist is so great and a scene that i really love in this one that's not in the remake i know i'm sort of blending the two right now it's kind of hard not to but i love that sort of ending scene when he's like climbing down the ladder and she's like climbing down like towards him yeah i think that is so eerie and creepy and so i thought it was cool. very, very effective and I loved when she was coming out of the sink too. I loved that. Yeah, all, yeah. The ghost, all the ghost scenes in this are super effective and really well done. In, in the original, the ghost photography itself like really creeped me out when they're like going to talk to the expert and he's like, here's all these photos we have. Uh, and they all look so authentic uh, in a way that the American remake looks really Hollywood and like really staged that stuff. The photos here, like you feel like and I think part of it too is it's a Thai movie. It's from another country. It's got people I don't recognize. So it almost feels like I'm watching a documentary, like suspension of disbelief is really easy. And it's really easy to become immersed in the world when I, uh, when it feels very real. Cause I don't know who any of these actors are. It just feels like a very genuine story. So it's extra creepy. I think in the original. What's interesting is that photography is a real thing. And it was very popular, especially like during the civil war there was a real boom on it because of people losing so many loved ones that they were just like really like craving some evidence uh, that their loved ones were still there, still, you know, could contact them, still see them. And so spirit photography had a real boom during that period. And it's kind of interesting because you don't hear much about it today. So I thought it was kind of an interesting premise for a movie is to kind of to cash in on that angle. I think it's just so easy now to do anything with Photoshop and has been like, there's just, I mean, and they sort of touch on that here that a Polaroid yeah. is truly the only real way to sort of capture something authentic because everything else can be duplicated and created and recreated so easily. But to your point, Jeremy, about how some of these looked real, I mean, I think it, as soon as this movie ends, there's sort of like a disclosure that says like, Oh yeah, that's right. So some, some of them yeah. were like some, some of them of more these, real, yeah, quote unquote, on authentic. Right, whether whether they truly show mm -hmm. a ghost or not, we don't know. But somebody had that photo and says but that it's you are correct. And the in the remake, it's like they you know had two teenagers sit down and with Photoshop and just create a bunch of <laughs> fake fake pictures for all of the ones that you do see. Yeah. And one thing I I am not crazy about here, and again we'll touch upon it on the remake but i don't like that in the very end when he's in the asylum or the hospital or whatever like the last shot that jane is like coming back to see him granted he's just fallen off this building he's maybe totally incapacitated whatever so she, even though she left him she still cares about him whatever I, I hate that that last moment is her like coming back to him and i know it's sort of to see the ghost on his shoulders still i'll touch on that more again later but but I, mm -hmm. i'm i'm not crazy about that moment i like that sort of flash in the in the window but i think we could have done it without jane coming back to him because i yeah, like certainly. that she's like you're a scumbag let's get out of here. i'm out of this place i also think that like this movie does a fairly good job of setting it up like when they hit her with the car it feels like there's a girl just walking across the road, which again, I'll touch on that again 
later. But they hit her, and then I kind of wish he was driving because it seemed like he was the one really drinking with his friends, and it would have almost made more sense that he hits her, and he's like, I've been drinking, I don't want to get caught, let's get the fuck out of here. And that they mm -hmm. go away because she seemed like she was drinking like Coke and they were drinking like booze. I, who knows? But that wasn't a plot point here. Like, let's get away. We don't want to get busted for drinking and driving. I just thought it was yeah. an easy way to, to, to get away from her. That was something that I had um, that was very problematic was he didn't see her walking across the road. So it wasn't like he recognized who they hit. He was looking at her and he was saying something sappy about um, how beautiful she was. And mm -hmm. so he was looking at her when she was driving and, and hit the girl walking across the road. And then it seemed to me out of nowhere that he's like, you know, let's get out of here. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just go. And I really questioned the motive for that because I didn't think there really was one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it did kind of feel like that was, that was kind of for me, a plot hole. Like you said too, it's like, he didn't really get a good look at like, how did he know who it was? Like, so that reveal feels like it kind of like, it took some leaps of logic to get to the point where they realize like, Oh, it's this girl you knew uh, and start unpeeling that. But cause it's like, he never actually saw her. He didn't look at her. How did he yeah. know it was the, it was his girlfriend that saw the, the girl. So I thought that was kind of, it, it would have tightened the story up if he had seen her and been like, Oh my God. Like, and I can't tell her that I know this person or anything like that. Yeah. That would have made, I feel like the remake did that a little bit better in a way like the way they treated that because you, you i agree yeah we'll get to that once we jump to the, the yeah. remake what are i th what i thought was going to happen and what i thought the twist was going to be because after they hit her in the beginning like the other cars approaching so they drive away like so as not to be you know implicated in the crime or whatever and i thought because they sort of set up that the one friend seems like kind of a creeper that that she he would have stopped to help her and he was going to like kidnap her and like keep her as a sex slave or something and therefore she was like projecting herself to them to like be calling out for help because this like whoever had picked her up after them after they'd hit her because i thought they authentically had hit her and that the friend was someone even if it wasn't the friend but i thought it was going to end up being someone they knew was going to like have helped her and that's why she wasn't in the hospital or whatever and that they were going to find her and she was still going to be alive and she'd been trying to reach out to them or something like that i don't know it's i know it's convoluted now when i'm saying it but in my mind I that would make sure an interesting movie too yeah <laughs> And I thought the score, especially the score in the opening credits, I thought was very cool. Like, I, I liked the sound of that. And that's the one thing I liked about One Missed Call was, in case you don't know the premise, it's like there's this whole string of people who are dying. And after the the person dies, another person gets a phone call from that dead person. And it's them, the person who gets the phone call, like, leaves, like, a voicemail of the moment that they die. And it's timestamped in the future, whatever. But there's this, like, creepy ringtone that's always associated with the phantom phone call. And I loved that creepy voicemail. Uh, phone ring. the ringtone the ringtone thank you i thought that that was really good so that's the only good thing and you can just listen to that ringtone on youtube and skip the whole movie <laughs> <laughs> teacher drew is the original a lot better though of one missed call is it worth watching i don't think so if you didn't like the remake because there were a lot of things that were not really explained 
Um, and that's one thing it's the English teacher in me kind of takes over whenever I watch a movie. I look at thematic elements, I look at a plot and character development, etc. And if there's something that they leave a big blank, like it ended up on the editing floor, so they don't kind of fill us in. Um, I like things fleshed out. And the second, the, the remake of One Missed Call did flesh out a lot of things. Um, and it made more sense than the first one. The first one was more an outline of an idea. And then the remake, they fleshed it out. If you didn't like the the remake, I wouldn't watch the original, probably. Now, I know you recently mentioned in an email to us that you watched Pulse. And when you mentioned yeah. that, did you watch Cairo, like the original, or the Kristen Bell version? I watched them both. Okay. Mm. Because I've always heard, and I just like was looking up some reviews of the original again, and it is highly praised. Is it fairly good, would you say? Yeah, the the second one was more like a WB production, you know? Yeah. Um, or I guess it's CW, whatever it is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a teen fiction light version of a story. You know, more like the MTV generationers. I don't know. Yeah. Analogies all over the place. <laughs> I watched one scene. There was someone, I just was like in this hole of not being able to sleep this morning. I watched a bunch of videos online. And one of them was a scene from Cairo where this guy's at like this apartment and this woman like starts walking towards him and she's walking very slowly. And then she just does this weird thing where she like drops down to the ground almost. And it was so creepy. And I'm like, that scene seemed creepier than anything I've watched all, all, all like the last 24 hours. So I was like, I feel like I should watch that original. And I just, this whole thing with like the ring, if that's sort of where it started. And I don't think Juan is as much this, but the ring and One Missed Call and Cairo and Shudder even all sort of take what I, it seems like based on, I think what I know of lots of Asian lore and ghost stories that have a very similar vibe to them. And incorporate this element of technology and the ghosts coming through in these modern contemporary ways. And Juan's not so much that. It seems a little more classic. A ghost yeah, like more of a classic haunting story. Yeah. But it seems because they based on what the two of you know, which is probably more than I do, these stories are sort of have been around a, a long time in Asian culture, this sort of ghost girl with long hair and things like that. That isn't like a totally contemporary thing, is it? I don't think so. From what I know, I know Chinese folklore and then also Japanese folklore specifically. The ghost story is a very like important, prevalent, fable parable whatever you want to call it it's almost always you know an educational a fable an educational story of you know do right or ghosts will get you usually but yeah. i know it's incredibly incredibly prevalent there ghosts are spirits uh and i think a lot of it goes back to religious practices in those regions where focus on spirits and your ancestors are really important uh so you don't want to piss off the spirit world 
But if I'm wrong, let me know. But that's what I know from my <laughs> my my readings and travels, uh, you know, through life. So yeah, but I like this original one. I thought that there there were definitely some creepy moments. I mentioned the two that sort of stand out to me when she was coming out of the sink, and also when she was climbing down the stairs, and the end, the sort of reveal of her like being on his shoulders. I I didn't find it to be like silly. I kind of liked that twist. I don't know what it was because. This is the this is the, like the the film guy in me. Uh, I think about like editing, and by the time the movie was done, this movie felt longer than its actual runtime was. And I'm like, I feel like somewhere in there, some editing could have been tightened up or something. I'm just not sure what, and I don't know why it dragged because it feel, felt like there's moments that went because, like I said, by the time it was over, I was like, it's only like a ninety something minute movie, but it felt longer to me. So I feel like there was could have been some tightening maybe of some of the action or something. And I think it's because there's a lot of sequences where like in between scares, you spend a lot of time of them talking about ghosts and like what's going on and then they get to a scare again. So I I feel like if they were a little bit more like on top of each other, it would have felt quicker because you're waiting for it. I'm like, when's it going to get scary again? Because right now they're talking. Not that that's not interesting, but it does kind of slow the pace of the thing. And then when it gets to the ending, the whole ending is just a breakneck run of like this revelation, this thing happens, the the ghost makes them jump out a window. You know, it's a lot happens right backloaded at the end of the movie. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. I was going to mention, I have a couple creepy moments I wanted to mention, and then I wanted to get your takes on a scene, which seems like it's from a totally different movie. And I wondered what the heck was it doing in this one? But the um, the other creepy scenes that really got me, and it might be why I like Asian horror, um, you know, the ghost crawling up from the bottom of the bed, I guess that kind of mm. connects with childhood fears. But especially in this one, even though the, the uh, special effect wasn't as um, updated or as good as it could be, when he is literally driving down the road at a hundred and something because he thinks he sees her again. And then he looks over at his girlfriend and the ghost is like right there in the window, right behind her. Mm-hmm. And that one was kind of a like, whoa. And then in, in both the movies, they really parallel this. In fact, there's, there's something on YouTube that goes through both movies and shows clips side by side. And there are a million that. of them that are almost identical. Mm-hmm. But when he's in the dark room and he thinks Jane comes in and she's caressing his face and, and all that. And then the phone rings. So he goes out to answer the phone and it's Jane on the phone. So he's like, wait, who was there in the dark room with me? And that, I don't know, for some reason that kind of created a few chills as well. I just knew what exactly what was happening. I I, yeah. I don't know if it's just if, if I would watch it when it came out if I wouldn't have I don't know if it's just been borrowed too many times. It's like I knew right away. I feel the original did a better job than the remake in that scene and sort of making it feel like it was Jane a little bit better, but I and I did like it still. I just 100% knew exactly what was going on. Um, yeah. But I but I, I love that scene in the car, and I forgot all about that. I think that is really creepy, and I like that scene in the bed as well. I, there really are, like, a, a nice, fat handful of effective scares in it, which I think was very nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're all very classical, like ghost story moments of like the person in the bedroom or like somebody you thought was someone else and then they're not even there. And you're like, then who was in the room with me? Like all classic, <laughs> like urban legend, uh, you know, ghost yeah, story very moments. classic. But the scene that I was going to ask you guys about that every time I watch the original, I'm like, what was up with that? I don't know if it's for comic relief or or what. But first of all, again, with the editing, when all of a sudden they're in the car going off to see what's up with um, this girl that he has a history with. And um, apparently they stopped at a truck stop or something for him to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And that part's really choppy because all of a sudden, okay, where are they going? And then all of a sudden he's in the truck stop bathroom without uh, them even pulling in to the truck stop or whatever, but he's in the bathroom, remember, and he runs out of toilet paper and he asks mm -hmm. the next stall over. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. which I would never do. <laughs> kind of a shock there. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I understand comic relief, but I kind of like my horror to be horror. I don't want them to let up even for a second. And I don't know. Um, Brandy Joe, what did you think of that scene? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, that was kind of, it made me giggle a little bit because the I, I imagine her to be like a, a trans, I don't know if she was like a, a sex worker or if she was just on her way to a nightclub or something. But I did like how she's like, um, can I take a shit first? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Her response was classic. Totally classic as opposed, and I like that he wasn't like freak or whatever. Like there was no response like that. It was just sort of like oops. this person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oops. And then so, and I appreciate also that she wasn't like, but I'll blow you after I'm done here or anything like that. Like, you know, that was maybe sort of implied that she was like, well, we can there. hook up if you want. Yeah, like, exactly. I know it's, there's not a glory hole here, but we can make that happen if you want it. <laughs> I, I didn't mind it so much. I guess I, I thought it was, um, I, I thought it was going to be a scare. And then in the end, it just wasn't, it was just sort of a red yeah. herring, if you will. But I do I feel mind. like, for certain segments of American society, that would be really jarring. You know, just the fact that that person is visible in the movie, because going off, clearly it's implied that it's a trans person or uh, a, a drag queen. But of course, then I was like, I, I did some reading to make sure my thinking was correct though, because I feel like that's a very Thai, like cultural thing. Uh, and which is that they have a very prevalent trans, drag queen i mean the the nomenclature in english is lady boy that they use from the whatever a rough translation of the thai word is what they call their third gender because mm. it's a whole I, I was reading some articles about how even trans people in thailand consider this uh category to be separate from themselves even it's like this whole other world but a lot of those people are like pop stars and stuff like that like it's a whole thing in thailand where they're a different world from how you know american society traditionally has treated anyone that's not heteronormative they are, they have a very different view of it so i feel like yeah this is a cultural thing that that's in there that for people in thailand watching are just like oh yeah yeah you, that happens <laughs> sort of <laughs> attitude about it but for like other cultures it'd be more jarring to be like wait what was that why was that scene in there what's going on so yeah yeah well, i guess i didn't have as much of an 
issue with it, but I would have been fine if it hadn't have been there. Quite honestly, I just I think the joke that was in there was a little bit like Teacher Drew is saying, where all of a sudden there's a poop joke in there, like in this <laughs> movie that didn't seem to have any inkling that it would take a turn towards anything that humorous. All of a sudden that happens, and you're like, okay, I guess they got the one joke in there, and <laughs> the rest of the movie is just dread and like unrelenting, you know, creepiness. So mm-hmm. yeah. Any other thoughts or shall we rate this? I think I'm ready to get on to the rating. All right. Same. What should we rate it out of? I mean, I know there's the obvious. We could go out of five, you know, spirit photographs or. Let's do that. Yeah. I'll there try to go. think of something for the, the next one to ch- change it up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Who's going first? I'll go first. Go first. I, I'm going to give it. Three. I'm going to give it three spirit photographs. I also am sitting at three for this guy, this one, this movie. I almost wanted to go three and a half, but we'll see. Maybe I'll rewatch. I do feel like this one is owed a rewatch at some point. So I'm going with three for now. And teacher drill. Yeah, I do think you pick up, you pick up a lot. Well, with any type of movie um, on multiple viewings, you pick up things that you hadn't caught before, especially when there's a twist ending and you Mm -hmm. see the signs. Um, granted they did literally show you the signs that maybe you should have picked up, which, um, I I don't want to be spoon fed, but I want it to make sense as well. So maybe somewhere in between, but, uh, because on Letterboxd, I gave it a three. I better stick with my three as well. Oh my gosh. Look at us. (laughs) Yeah. All three. So we have a solid scare of approval and all of us the same score. That's fun. Oh, cool. All right, now I'm just dying to talk about the remakes. Let's move. Okay, let's do it. Let's get to this remake. (laughs) Okay, so from 2008, the tagline on Letterboxd is the most terrifying images are the ones that are real. Is that, was that the original? It's the same one. It's the same tagline. Exactly. A newly married couple discovers disturbing ghostly images and photographs they develop after a tragic accident. Fearing the manifestations may be connected, they investigate and learn that some mysteries are better left unsolved. It's a totally different movie. No, it's exactly the same. It's the same movie. (laughs) So right off the bat, I got to say, watching this so like immediately after, because I literally watched the original last night and I watched this one this morning. There's just no like tension when you've seen the original and then immediately go into this one because the major story beats are exactly the same. All the twists are exactly the same. Uh, So it was just like, "Ah, I know it's coming. Just get to it. Come on, let's go. And also... Man, did I dislike Joshua Jackson in this. All apologies to Joshua Jackson, but no he was, apologies. He no, was friggin' terrible in this. The thing that this movie did so poorly that I thought the original did a pretty good job of is this one. All the guys immediately come across like a bunch of creepers. Like yes. they seem like total douchebags, total assholes, and they seem that way from the get-go. And then that's exactly what they are. And the original, there's like the one friend that you're like, oh, you seem like kind of a weirdo, like a little bit of a jerk, maybe a little bit of a womanizer, like you cheat on your girlfriend. Like the, the seeds are sort of planted here. Like you just know from the start that they're mm-hmm. all just players. Just terrible. And so it's like no surprises when that is exactly what ends up being the case. And especially the lead, just the way Joshua Jackson plays it in that role is like, he's a jerk. Like he's kind of like maybe an inkling of likability in the beginning. But as the story goes, he immediately just turns into jerk territory. 
And you're like, there is no tension because I liked the guy in the original movie, you know, up so. until the point of the reveal, yeah. you like him because uh, he, he's just a likable character until that point. This one, you're just like, I hate that jerk. Let the ghost get him. I think Jane is stronger in the remake. And as I mentioned in the last for the last film, here it's the ending ending is different. She does not show back up at the hospital. You just no. see the nurse coming in. And I loved that because I love that she's like, you're a fucking dick and I'm out of here. And that she leaves and she is gone. I feel like she's a little stronger here. I liked the actress in the original better, but I felt Jane as a character, I think had a little more strength in the remake than in the original. Yeah, they gave they gave her a little more of a story arc, I think. And um, I'm with Jeremy. The one thing I have in all caps in my notes is that Joshua Jackson, who is fine with Dawson Creek type roles or something, mm -hmm. he, he just seems so like, flat and so one-dimensional and i didn't really like him from the beginning even when he wasn't a full-on jerk mode which i they really revved up in the american version because the fact that he literally i don't know if you guys remember he literally when he took pictures of the girl and i can't remember her name because they switched the name from the beginning Magami or Magumi mm -hmm. or something. Um, he literally was sitting there in a chair while they were finishing their business. And then the first one, uh, he turned and walked out and mm -hmm. he, he didn't even look, he pointed the camera and didn't even look at what he was taking. So there was still some remorse, like he didn't really want to do this, but they kind of pressured him into it. And then he was out of there. But in this one, I thought, what a jerk. You yeah, know, and he seems totally cold and remorseless. Yeah, the other characters, I think he was really the weak link as far as acting, though, too, because even his friends, um, I thought they were more believable. He was just so flat that he wasn't very believable as a character, I didn't think. Yeah, it was very soap opera y acting. Like the, because this one, that's the thing. The American, this American remake has so many cheesy, like the emotional, like they're being a couple together. And, and I'm like, this feels so much like a hall, you know, or a lifetime movie or a, uh, you know, a soap opera. Like they dialed the cheese up way too much here. Um, yeah. That moment where he's in the dark room, like screaming or whatever, and she's on the phone, like listening to him freak out. And then it cuts to her like, I better get over there and drop it. Like yeah. she just sat there like listening to him, like scream. I don't know. That was just so cheesy when they, uh, they cut to that. Oh my. And that scene on the subway was ridiculous. Like the yes. fact that she sees, and then she's like banging on the subway door, like help me. I'm like, you're on a subway, a moving subway. There's no one outside that's going to yeah. help you. Like you it was just that was the dumbest scene. There were actually quite a few really dumb scenes. Like when the fly crawls out of her eye, I think that's what it was. <laughs> yes. And then if the camera like kills that one guy, but it like breaks like <laughs> Like the LC LED, whatever the LCD screen, but like he's not His looking through that, but he's like looking through like the view. It was so that was the dumbest scene ever. That was one thing I did like. Like I liked in the original that she kills them by you know eventually they j jump to their death or whatever, either seemingly to end their torment or the fact that it seems like 
she's sitting on them uh, likely and throwing them off balance or something or trying to push them. Uh, so I like that concept more than in this movie where the ghost can just use ghost powers and fly into your camera yeah. and make your face blow up and stuff like, like it's, it, well, I liked it more if they stuck with the uh, original. And remember that she, she didn't die initially when she jumped, but remember they said she climbed up in both versions. She climbed up onto the top of the building and jumped off. Mm-hmm. but it didn't kill her. And then she uh, killed herself with uh, yeah. poison. And so I thought that too. I thought when I first saw the original, I was like, why aren't they being very creative with these kills? It's like, is that the only way to die is jumping? And then I thought, Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> cause that's how, she... how she was trying to end her life too. And then in the first one, he ended up jumping too. And Joshua Jackson was a little more creative and trying to, Get rid of her, kill the ghost, I guess. Yeah, I was like, he's like, I'm going to electrocute the ghost. So dumb. I hated that so much. Because especially I love that scene so much in the original when he's like climbing down the the ladder and she's crawling after him. I just thought it was so creepy and such a cool visual. And then here it's just ridiculous, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the one thing, like when I watched the original, actually one of the, another moment that I, I found sort of powerful was when they go to see the girl's family because they're like well let's go find out about her and the mom is like she's taking a nap and it's like wait what she's alive like that's such a great moment and then that sort of reveal of that she's just holding on to her and then the funeral and they talk about how everyone sort of knew that she had the dead daughter and everyone didn't know how to like react to it and culturally it was so and i'm like how are they going to translate this to america because i thought the remake was going to take place in america since it was an american remake and i was like how are they going to handle that cultural thing and then it wasn't switched so i thought oh well we'll do the exact same thing because it's still in another country and maybe the culture in japan even though it's not tight it's not thailand like maybe it has a similar sort of vibe that it could work but here like they don't even really set up going to see her all of a sudden they're just in a car and they're just at her house like without having that mom there it was so odd i'm like what's happening like you don't even talk about it you're just going to see her and then they just they find out she killed herself and her body's just been there for years yeah by herself yeah and like nobody ever i don't know you get that nod to psycho where she's sitting in the chair like you know mama bates and then (laughs) What was with her head just all of a sudden taking that moment to fall off? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the so head ridiculous. waited for them to show up and then it, was it a, fell off. It was a very precarious situation and they just there you go. threw off the equilibrium and the head fell just by touching the body. <laughs> it finally happened. But yeah, no, I just thought that was like kind of ridiculous that they were like, oh, she killed herself years ago and the body just sat here. I mean, I guess you hear stories about that in the news like every so often, but um it seemed like they lost something there by not having like the mom and getting some more story relayed that way from the family, you know, to humanize her even more. So I don't know. And I thought that was such, I didn't want to mention it till we were here so that I could talk about both, but I love that in the original when the mom's like, she's just taking a nap. Like, and then it was just like, what? what? She's what? (laughs) Like, do we have the wrong girl this whole time? Like, is that the twist? So I thought that was just such a great moment. And here it's just no momentum. No. And in the remake, 
I was sort of touching on it, but I can't stand the way they did the photographs where they went for the cheesy, like you're looking at the photo and then she literally moves in the photo. Ah, <laughs> haunted photo. And it's like, that's no, just it's creepier to just have the image in the background, a little, little blurry, hard to make out, but it's there, something like that. But they just went for the full, full cheese factor here. And I don't feel like, oh, if you're going to do a, a remake with American actors and and whatnot, that it needs to take place in America. But I think that's sort of, to me, somewhat of the fun of a remake is changing the cultures and ad adapting the story so that it fits the culture you're going to set it in. And as we mentioned, they set this in, in Japan, right? As yeah. opposed to Thailand. So there is a cultural thing, but it's still Asian. And there's still like, yes, there's a sort of a fish out of water. So it's more like The Grudge, which I'm also not a big fan of. But after watching this and One Missed Call, I'm like, The Grudge is like Citizen Kane, even though I've never seen Citizen Kane. But <laughs> everyone talks about how great it is. So like, I'm like, okay, I, I give The Grudge a really hard time, but it is so much better than these films. But it also, you know, has that sort of fish out of water in a different country, like an American person in another country. And I think that that can work. I just was excited to see this happen in an American setting and how they would translate that. But instead it's, and I, I read that like the director didn't even speak English so that they had a translator, which I often wonder, and again, not like that can't be successful, but surely some things are lost in translation lost. when you're yeah. trying to do something like that if your performers your actors especially your leads don't speak the same language or can't understand your language i'm just like that must have been such a, a difficult process yeah it makes me think of uh uh the italian film industry and like in the 60s 70s even into the 80s that they would often have an international cast most of whom they'd love to cherry pick like down and out um American or like British actors that had like international appeal to get them in these like spaghetti westerns and horror movies they were doing. Uh, but most of those performers would only speak English and have no idea what the director's telling them in Italian. So that's why so many of these Italian flicks are these wonderful, like psychotronic, just like out there things. Performances are all over the place, like because nobody spoke the same language on set. So it was just. I wonder if there is a similar situation here with Japanese director bringing a Japanese sensibility, but with these English speaking, mostly English speaking lead actors, um, if he didn't speak English, yeah, it's just gives it a stilted and kind of weird vibe throughout the whole thing. And the one, the one aspect that I think really could have made it work for the Japan angle was the fact that they go back to Japan where it was the scene of the crime and that kind of stirred up the ghost or something. But when they got back to America, they realized that wasn't the case, that the ghost had been with them even mm -hmm. prior to their going to Japan. So again, I was trying to grasp it at reasons why they went the Japan angle. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. And then it's like, oh, nope, oops, they just discredited that idea. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
And here it feels so obvious when they hit her. And that whole scene's ridiculous too. But when they hit her, she like looks at them or mm -hmm. it, like, and it makes it very apparent she's not just someone wandering in the street, that she is a ghost, that she's out to, like, it's set up very much like, oh, there's something ominous here. It's not just you hit a girl in the street, which I think the story is stronger if you think they've actually hit someone exactly but here it feels very obvious and then it's just weird that she like sort of wakes up and like sees her like getting up off the street and then they go back to sleep and then wake up and it's snowing like it's just like the weirdest thing i it's such an odd odd scene the beginning i i like the original better and that and the regard that they hit her and drive away because yeah i prefer the hit and run angle where this was like they're in a car accident and they're like there was a girl what girl what are you talking like i, I like the hit and run angle better than just they're in a car accident. I don't know. It also, I had, of course, since it was another one of our options, I thought a lot about The Ring. And that movie is just so successful in its execution. It is so good. And one thing they do is they totally, I think it takes place in like Seattle. Like it Seattle. Feels, right? Like it's always raining. It's like those... Yep blue and green tints to it the whole time and they set it they like they translate it to this american setting and really it has its own feel and vibe it's not trying to like copycat the original and lots of those cultural things and i think that that's what works so well about it is that they translate it to make it its own story while still using some of the scenes. I did watch the television scene from both of them since we talked about it in the first part. And the original, I don't think looks as bad as you said, Teacher Drew. I think it looks fairly good still. I was like, how hokey is this going to look? And I think it looks very similar to the American one. The one thing the American one does is like gives her that sort of like, she's still like a VHS tape once she comes through. And the original, she just moves oddly, but like, actual like i don't think they're like effects it's like the person is doing weird things with their body as opposed to using visual effects like the american remake and the thing that i love about the original one is that you very clearly see her nails are gone that she has clawed her way up that that well and the the remake it's not as obvious but i nope. still think like just the the tone of the remake is definitely more powerful, but the zoom up on her face is a little hokey and cheesy. Whereas the original, you really just see her creepy eye and it's like tape is holding the eyelid up. It's a little unnatural looking, but it's a hundred percent non like visual effects. It's just like a very eerie eye. And, and so there's things about both of them that I like, but but it's such a powerful scene. And I, again, the translation, I think they did some really unique things with it, which I love. I know you're making me want to revisit the ring because I've not. Is that what you wanted us to watch? So long. I've not seen you wanted us to I was I was kind of hoping so because I had watched both of those again recently. The ring, maybe because the Seattle connection, because I was born up in Washington and the rain, and I thought they captured the vibe out on the ferry and you know all that stuff, but. Um, I especially liked the video itself. It seemed like the first one, the original, when they showed the video, it wasn't, I don't think, as impactful as the video in the remake. And I liked all the symbolic things in the the video of uh, that they showed in the remake. The first one, I didn't really get what the video was of entirely like kind of a hallway and 
I don't know. I just, I didn't really get the second one or I mean the, the original too much, that video. Mm-hmm. The one so. scare that I liked in the remake of Shudder, I don't think the whole scene is as effective when she like crawl like is pulling his covers down in the original and then she like climbs up the bed. I, I think that's a more effective scene. But the one thing I liked in the remake <laughs> was when she's taking off her dress and her back is all yeah. black and mm-hmm. like bubbly and gross. I thought that was effective that was cool. and creepy. But that that's was a like cool scene. literally the only scary thing that i liked in this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> agreed all right any other thoughts i mean other than this speaking of like feeling like the cw production version of something like this there you go this, this definitely had that vibe where it was like just the cheese factor the drama and the tension that they dialed up to soap opera levels instead of something a little more nuanced and believable that's like what was getting me the other thing that i picked up on on rewatch that i didn't catch the first couple times and it's like an english teacher thing which we spot every little every little symbol or every little reference in both of them when they showed scenes of um the main character the male lead with his girlfriend at the moment the one he used and abused was part of their happy days he would carry her around like on his Mm. shoulders Mm. and i didn't catch that before so i know ultimately it's like how our baggage from the past can kind of weigh on us literally and figuratively but i thought that was kind of an interesting touch to show them in their happier times he would be carrying her around on his shoulders Mm -hmm. and i didn't catch that in either one of them the first time and then on rewatch i thought oh that's kind of interesting. That's going to play into the ending. <laughs> so. And then I like that as opposed to her being like on his back, but she actually is up on his shoulders yeah. as the ghost. Like she is like elevated the, the thing to like really like riding there as opposed to just arms around the shoulder. She is like now like fully up on there. Like. Mm-hmm owning this situation in both movies though when they take the pictures of her like as they're like uh, you know uh, raping her or abusing whatever the horrible things that they're doing to her their logic is so weird that they're like we're gonna take these pictures and we're gonna show your family and your parents and you're not gonna talk and it's like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like you're you're actually giving evidence to the horrible things you're doing I mean, I feel like that speaks to how far we've come culturally now, where I feel like, you know, over a decade ago or more, that kind of thinking what would have made more sense in a way that so often you you take it to the authorities, they're going to be like, she was a slut. You know, she was asking, you know, look, she was, you know, these guys did no wrong like that. We've known for years. That's how these sorts of things get treated. So I feel like the the thinking now you know brandy joe you're thinking correctly you're thinking how you know it should be which is like yeah they assaulted this woman and they have evidence of it like and that's how it should be treated but i feel like that notion is coming from a time ago where they're like you're a woman Mm -hmm. they'll never believe you they'll believe us so well perhaps in the original it was more like we don't we know you don't want to shame your family or bring shame upon your family Mm -hmm. by seeing these images which did not translate well at all to the American version of it. Like here, take pictures so she can't tell anybody. And 
clearly she's in duress in all those photos. It's it doesn't look like she's having a good time. And no. so yeah, that was that was problematic. That's the one part that I wish upon a remake that they would have done something a little different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the whole rape culture thing. Just that that scene bothered me in both. I just thought it was ugly, and I especially felt empathy for. Well, I can't feel empathy, but sympathy, <laughs> sympathy for her because here she trusts this guy. She still loves this guy. And, you know, of all people to be taking photos. And so again, that's why I kind of like the original version of his character better because he seemed to be under pressure and he didn't really want to do it, but he kind of gave in to his buddies. And the second one, I don't know, just, he was just a, a jerk. He seemed to like not even bat an eye or not even realize that this was horrible and it was wrong. And he was, he already ripped her heart out. I mean, what else can he do? And that was like the ultimate. I, mm-hmm. I just thought that was super ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, out of five ghost girls on your shoulders, there you go. How many do you <laughs> give the remake? Oh, man. Who's going to lead? Am you I going to go first? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is tough. I'm kind of like, uh, where I'm like, yeah, it wasn't utterly dreadful, but it wasn't great. But also I'm trying to factor in the fact that I will probably never watch this again, or at least I'm not like aching to rewatch the remake again. Uh, I'm going to give this a two. Teacher Drew, what are you going to give it? Well, disclaimer, I did give it a three on Letterboxd. Teacher Drew. But every time I watch it, Joshua Jackson thing just grates on me more and more. And so for that, that reason, I'm going to drop it down to two and a half. I don't think it deserves a three. I'm going to give it a one. And that one is all just for Jane and that one little back scare. Otherwise, I think it is a a horrible movie. I think it is trash. Well, we're all all in agreement, though. It's a... uh... That's right. Get it out of here. Watch the remake. Don't watch this one. Watch at your own risk. (laughs) Don't just don't. Just don't do it. Don't don't know. Some people some people like the abuse, self-abuse. It's also interesting because the grudge came out in 2002. I'm sorry, um, the ring came out in 2002. The grudge came out in 2004. And then I think Pulse came out in 2006. And then 2008 had this one missed call. And I think the eye that Jessica Alba movie. It's just interesting because it's like it really spread like those. Mm-hmm. J horror remakes really spread themselves out in the like in the first decade of the 2000s as opposed to all being like front loaded to like 2002 to 2004 like they 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 weren't good they continued to not be good and they kept trying to make them they kept trying to do it <laughs> they wouldn't stop and then they were taking movies that weren't even japanese like shutter and then like let's make it a japanese movie yep. and try and recapture the magic yeah just there's not a lot of good ones, that's for sure. Just stick to the originals. I want to go back. I want to watch Cairo, and I want to watch the Sadako versus whatever the Grudge versus the Ring. I'm going to call mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Juan versus Ringo. I I want to watch that because that sounds 
fascinating. Like, how are you going to do that? And it sounds really interesting. It was it was fun. It wasn't a good quality movie that I'd rewatch a lot, but I just thought it was kind of an intriguing idea, kind of like King Kong versus Godzilla almost, <laughs> you know, so something yeah, like else that. that should be on your radar if you guys haven't seen it already is um, there's a fan film. One of my favorite scary movies ever is Black Christmas, the oh, original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a fan film called It's Me, Billy. I've seen it. Ooh. Did you like it? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I thought I haven't fine. seen it yet, so I will have to watch and be the ultimate decider. I'll say yeah, this, Teacher Drew. I would rather watch that than either of the remakes. But I did not love it. I didn't. I was okay. not a big fan. Um, but I, but that is saying something that I'd watch it over either of those any day. Yeah, those remakes are wretched. In fact, like, like I said, the the original was one of my favorite movies ever. I thought it was brilliant, so and uh, the others abysmal. Mm-hmm. Abysmal. <laughs> the worst. Like, do not waste your time on the most recent one. It's yeah. just an embarrassment that it even calls itself Black Christmas. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, I would say I would recommend watching It's Me, Billy. I just didn't love it, but but and I, I, would I, I appreciated it. Recommend for everyone listening, because by the time this comes out, it's Christmas time. Watch that original Black Christmas. Yes. Yep. Uh, try and get in that original Silent Night, Deadly Night. I just watched so that the other night. Uh, my plan, if I can find the time is to try and watch the entire silent night deadly night series because most of them are now on streaming services have you watched three yet i know we talked about it. i've not watched three i've i've only ever seen the original i don't think i've even seen the entirety of part two i've only seen you know the key scenes of it although i've read online that people are like 50 percent of part two is just reused footage from the original anyway uh and i saw the remake they did um, that's just titled Silent Night from you know a yeah. few years back, and I I, I I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good actually. Yeah, so. it was fun. But I gotta watch the others. I hear the other sequels, like three, four, and five, are totally insane. Like mm-hmm. everything I read about them is they just go off into crazy directions with those. So they do. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Teacher Drew. It was yes, an utter well, delight to have you. I was honored to be asked. Well, we're so glad and hope that you continue to listen to us in, in your, you know, weekly running routines. Absolutely. <laughs> and writing in at any point because we love hearing from you. And oh, you. Um, we're going to take a week off because I'm going to Florida and Jeremy's doing some running around as well. So we'll be back in the new year. And I think that episode will talk about our favorite movies that we gave each other. Yes. I think yep. that's we don't have a fun name like like the like it's only a podcast does. Um, I think we call it tops and bottoms. <laughs> yeah, we'll do our tops and bottoms, um, and hopefully have some New Year's goodies for you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you so much for listening again. Thank you, Teacher Drew. Happy holidays to everyone. If you listen happy, to this, before. happy holidays to everyone out there. Yes. Happy screams. <laughs> We wish you a bloody Christmas. And um, hail Paymon. Uh, death to Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. 
and keep watching and talk about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Till next time, everyone. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.